one ever sees me, sees me, I'm losing every battle. Can somebody save me, save me, I'm losing every battle. everyone welcome to the battle to be podcast this is our third episode and before we get started i want to let you know that we are always live always unscripted and always unedited and as a side note to that please know that we do not hold back from any of the dark conversations we talk about all of the worst parts of human experience and we hold nothing back. So for those of you who do have trauma triggers, I will give you a warning right now ahead of time that I know this evening we are going to be talking about the aftermath of 9-11. We are going to be talking about the experiences that officers have in their day-to-day lives, which may include domestic violence and child abuse and any of those kind of experiences. We are also going to be talking about officer suicide. So if any of those topics feel unsafe for you, please feel free to leave right now. And we still, of course, love you and know that some of our other shows will absolutely be for you. So again, be safe, be healthy, be comfortable. And we are always here for you. Tonight, I have with me an amazing, amazing person who is going to give you some fantastic information about the fight against officer suicide. Here with me tonight is Stephen Moriello of the NYPD. And? And he has his own podcast that he's going to tell you about at the end because I want to make sure that you guys do not miss the celebration of his 100th episode. So first off, I like to give people an opportunity to see all of my military and officers and fire firemen and EMTs and all of these people who have these jobs that people see as us and them. I want people to see that you are just like them and you have a human side and you have a family and you have activities that you love. So tell us a little, little bit about you. I'm Steve Morial. Nice to meet you, everybody. Um, I guess I, I would say I was uh, been through a lot. So the first thing I would say is I'm a police officer, um, a deputy inspector at NYPD, 31 years on the job. And I run uh, and I worked in uh, anti-terrorism. So from there, I'm going to tell you I'm, I'm married. I have two beautiful children. Um, I live in New York, Long Island, and uh I'm just a regular person. I, I tell everybody uh, sometimes we have interactions and uh, sometimes people, um, they're raised up a little. And I said, when I was born, I did not come out in a uniform. I am a father. I am a brother. I am a son. Um, I am a dad. And uh, I understand everybody's what they go through in life. So I would say, first of all, about me is probably I coached my son's baseball team from four years old up to 17, regular, all the kids. Um, 
I, I look out. I, I do a lot of volunteering. And we'll get into that. I do a lot of uh, public speaking on a lot of issues. And I would say I'm I'm a activist to help people overcome, um, you know, depression, suicide, and anxiety. So, and uh, I'm a regular guy. I'm a I'm a leader. I'm a mentor, and I'm a father, and I'm a husband, and a brother, and. Uh, what you see is what you get. Um, sometimes you put a uniform is a little imposing, um, but uh, I usually smile a lot and I, I'm able to talk to people and bring them down uh, and to realize that, you know, I have a job to do and uh, you know, we're here to help everybody. So, is that good? One more? <laughs> that's, that's great. We're not, we're not going to let your secrets out that you're uh, missing dinner right now. <laughs> yeah. So, right. okay, let's... I guess let's get right into the nitty gritty of it and talk about, let's talk about the aftermath of 9-11 because that's something everyone experienced to some degree. That's something everybody knows is traumatic. So they might have a little bit of an understanding about what you experienced, but describe that for us, the way that everything felt for you. Well, it was a beautiful election day. I remember it was very, um, how could I say it was, uh, I think it was like 75 degrees, but for that time of year, it was very beautiful in New York and I was getting ready. I, and I would have been down there originally cause it, all, where I was working was right across the bridge or close to where it happened. And uh, I remember I had to do a little later tour that day cause I was driving my boss. We had election duty and, uh, I'm watching TV and you see the first plane and then, you know, you see a second plane, and then without, I jump in the car, and all I can remember is driving it to work. I have a little distance to go, and the state police were closing off the exits, and only first responders were allowed in. And I got into work, and all I could see is the smoke and smoke and smoke and smoke. They sent us to uh, a location to mobilize everybody from Brooklyn, and we were in that location, and right across the, the, the harbor, is you see all you saw was smoke, and everybody wanted to get down there to help somebody. Um, I would tell you the anxiety was high because we're hearing rumors that uh, how many people they can't find firemen, police officers that we knew, um, civilians, you know, we just want to get down there to help somebody, you know, that's the whole, so that night I didn't get down there, but the next day I went down there with my, my boss, um, and I went to the, the site where the towers were. And if I tell you, uh, it's surreal. It looked like a movie studio. All it was dust and metal and i knew there's people still alive somewhere underneath that metal and everybody was working hard and uh, i'm gonna tell you this, a lot of what we take from that is we wanted to help her and when they found somebody everybody stopped and uh very few people got pulled out of rubble and what i can tell you is um a lot of us that responded that didn't get there firemen civilians that would live down there Police officers, you, know, you live with a lot of survivor guilt um, that, you know, I lost people I knew, some police officers I knew um, died in died in the, in the world. And you take it, why, why, you know, if I was down there, maybe I could help them. And um, so what I could tell everybody is it was uh, for the pictures and videos you see uh, in real life. It was uh, surreal. It was horrific. Um, stand there. You couldn't believe that the building once was there and all you saw was metal and big mounds and everybody's trying to get in there and we had to wait and they had a lines to pull the rebel off. And it was just, it was just uh, surreal. So it's something you take. And now 
years later, uh, a lot of my friends, uh, co-workers, uh, firemen, civilians that were down here are dying of 9-11 cancer. And I just went for my physical and knock on wood, came back pretty good. So I escaped another year. You know, it's coming on the, the 20th anniversary. So, you know, you, you, you remember it every time you go to the doctor's office, you take a physical, you worry about them to tell you, you know, you have uh, cancer. Or, you know, you have some serious lung issues. So I did get one thing from 9-11. Uh, science infections. I have like I get them my like two, three, four, about four times a year. I get serious science infections, and um, I think I end up getting like you know, not full blown asthma. I don't really have asthma, but I have sinuses, so I get a lot of uh, infections from that. That's that. So something that most people don't know is that that incident not only stays with you guys with the trauma and the memories and. Like, as you think about it, you can experience the smells and the, the feeling of the dust and the sounds and the quiet when it shouldn't be that quiet and just all of that stuff. You're also still reminded every single year because the potential health after effects are still with you. So you never get to let go of that particular day. And there are other situations that happen like that. And that's just one of many things that not just you, but all officers face every single day. What's, what's a week like for you? That right, so, the lows. What's a week on the job look like for you? So I could tell you this. I came out of uh, college, 21 going on 22, right into the police department. I always want, I grew up only one in my family. No one ever was a police officer. I always wanted to help somebody. And I went to high school, went to St. John's University, four years, and right into the police department. Um, what I can tell you is, from that incident, I, I would say I was I was starting to get a little distance in the beginning. I caught myself because um, you're 21, 22, you're going into situations um, in a busy area at the time. It was um, 1990. It was a lot of crime. Uh, New York City has a you know came back beautiful. Uh, it's going, you know, we have some crime now, but it's still great. And uh, as a young guy, you go into this and you, you go into a situation where I tell you a normal day would be like, um, you know, you're 20, 21, 22, you're shelter, maybe you've never seen anybody get been shot before. You go into someone's shot. And your first instance, instance is to help somebody, to stop the bleeding, to catch the person who did it. Then you might go to, uh, uh, I would say the worst is probably child abuse. Uh, we go to that. Um, that. That stays with you. Especially when the, you go and the, the children die, and you stay, that stays with you. And then I say you go to um, just accidents that you never, maybe you were a part of a car accident, but you never been part of it where you see people really seriously injured. And then you know, it's so a normal day uh, back then. So I realized when I came home, uh, my day off would be a different day off to get off. And uh, what I would do is I go to the gym, but I went later on. I would stay home, watch TV, and that's not me. And then I go out with my friends later on, but I stayed home down in the basement, watch the TV, and I realized that that you just want to detach because you see, you want to help everybody. That's what you came on, and that's what you do. And you see, ninety-nine percent of people you you you, you uh, deal with in the community are very good, hardworking people, and, and they want you there. Uh, and sometimes you deal with one uh, percent that's uh, repeat break the law, but. What you want to do is save everybody. And I realize you become, you get a, super, a Superman complex that you want to save everybody. And you realize you got to save yourself too and in, 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 in to make it. 
uh, that you want to stop someone from being shot. If Mrs. Jones came to you and said, look, uh, I'm afraid to come out of my house because they're selling drugs on my stoop. What do I do? You make sure you went over there and make sure Mrs. Jones' stoop was clear because Mrs. Jones could be your grandmother, could be your mother coming to you. And that's what we, you know, the job you did and you took it to heart. And uh, I'm going to say the connections, the bonds you make, uh, sometimes it's not reported that way in, in the media, but you have, you make a very good connections with the community and, and you last in community relations that will last even when you get transferred to another place. You, 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 you always go back and see them and you, and you have a lot of memories. And uh, it's a great job. So a daily day now, I'm a supervisor, I'm a mentor, I lead, I run an anti-terrorism unit transit, and um, uh, I could say I'm a leader, I have a lot of time on, I mentor, I motivate, and I go out and I make sure my men and women are safe out there to make sure that the um, com uh, community that rides the trains are safe from terrorism and from crime. So it's a daily job, and I, and I keep doing it to I, you know, to God tells me stop. That's why I realize it's a mission for me, and I, I love what I do. Now you've been there a long time. We'll call you a lifer. <laughs> yeah, a long time, long time. They 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 kid with me all the time. My cops, man, when are you retiring? <laughs> who knows? Who knows? Who knows? You know. So. so you feel like it's much easier for you now to practice the self care that you need than it was when you were on the streets. Well, I, I'm going to tell you, it's still hard because uh, the summer was probably the most difficult summer I had in a long time um, in this police profession. And, it, and it's a career. It's a calling. And this summer was very uh, daunting for every all the men and women in New York City, probably all over the United States, all police officers, and first responders between uh, the pandemic. You know, people we knew getting very sick. We got sick um, working between um, some of the protests, some looting, some riots. Um, but in the end, I know that we have a mission to help the 99% of people that are great people in the community. And that's what we do. So self-care, yes, I learned when I got, got into uh, uh, helping other police officers, I learned you have to do some kind of self-care. If it's walking, if it's just uh, turning the lights off and meditating, something. So self-care came a lot easier as you get, uh, I guess, as you get older, when you realize sometimes you got to you gotta unplug. Everybody needs to unplug once in a while, even us. You know, you know take yourself and just recharge. Even you, especially you, <laughs> especially people in, in helping positions. Definitely. We haven't really started talking about the, even call it an epidemic of police suicide, but um, you kind of touched on the shifting public tide. I'm wondering if you might have anything to say about if, if, the way the media is portraying the relationship with the police and society and the way that there's that shift in um, feelings about police in the society, do you feel like that is having an effect or influence on the number of policemen who are giving up and choosing to take their own lives? So most of the people you deal with, they appreciate you. They say thank you. And I, I, again, I, I, maybe because I, I'm a boss, I hear more. And sometimes the cops and I let the, my officers know that, you know, you're, you're appreciated. And most of the times people say thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, very. It's just that uh, right now with, with everything they went through, some of the laws being changed, um, you know, like I say, come on to help people. It's not about the money. 
Uh, first responders don't. It's not about getting rich. Firemen, police officers, emergency service, EMS, um, sanitation, correction, sheriffs. If I'm missing somebody, nurses. It's not about the money. It's never about the money. It's about uh, a passion, a career, a calling, and to help someone. So I would say for me, um, you know, maybe I stay on because I want to make sure my officers are safe and sound. And um, uh, I worry, you know, um, you know, uh, I don't want to see anybody get hurt. And I'll just say, for the most part, it was very peaceful. Uh, most of the stuff I, uh, we dealt with in the summer. But there's a couple of occasions when um, there was looting going on and uh, it, was a little, it was a little scary. And for the young men and women out there, uh, it's like me when I came on, uh, realizing uh, you're young and you realize also and I'm, I'm seeing people shot. Um, I'm seeing people with domestic violence. I'm seeing children being abused. I'm seeing, um, you know, I've seen babies, you're delivering baby when you're still a baby yourself almost. I mean, I mean, you're not a baby, but, you, you know, it's something maybe you're not a father yet or a mother. Uh, and you see a lot of good and that makes you come back. And you see, like I say, you maybe uh, we used to go to uh, a baby's hospital um, in our in the area, and we used to be Santa Claus and, and elves. And it was a, ch a children's AIDS hospital, and uh, that's where you take. You know, I mean, you go there and you visit, and you get you get a, a, a real bond with the young little children, and then you go back a month later, and you find out uh, they're not there no more. You know, uh, something. You know, they're not here on the earth anymore. And that really takes a lot out of you because you, you go out of the way and you love them. And, you know, the parents couldn't take them home because they need all the medical attention at the time in the, in the, in the care facility. So that's stuff, you, that's what you take. But for, the, for now, do I think it's harder for the, the men and women? Yes, I do. Uh, do I think the media portrays it um, sometimes? Uh, yes. I mean, uh, but do I think uh, and hold that they appreciate the police officers? Yes, I do. I just think sometimes um, it's easy to write a negative article than the writer positive article. right and, right and, uh, but i think i would say the majority of the united states and, and the world um appreciate the the firemen the police officers the military um you know it's just um it's unfortunate that sometimes you know you uh you know you have one unfortunate incident um that uh you know if they they want to paint everybody in that that light and it's not that it's that we're not all the same you know sometimes some people don't shouldn't have been in, on this job. Sometimes some people shouldn't have been a doctor. Sometimes some people shouldn't have been a fireman. Sometimes they should have been a teacher. And uh, they make a mistake, and we all pay for it. And uh, they make whatever you know. And uh, that's the that's what I feel bad for the men and women uh, that, that put on a uniform on that because uh, I would say almost all of them come on to help, and they're all mothers and fathers and brothers and sisters and uh, nieces and nephews and children, and they all love cry hurt, take this job home to what other stress they have at home and they bottle up. And that's what we talk later about what I do on the other end. But that, that, so I just think it's a little tougher for the men and women with the, uh, some of the un unfortunate incidents that um, happened. And, uh, you know, the media sometimes doesn't write all the good stuff that the men and women do every day, day in and day out. Right. Good stories don't sell. <laughs> told that one time, yeah. So again perfect transition why don't we talk about your passion and your purpose and your cause all right so i would say about 11 years ago i went through the most trying time in my life personal professionally and my mother died and i was at a crossroads and um 
I would say you could have went left or right. Just like everybody normal. Some people go right and, and never, you know, get in trouble with the law. And some people go left, but always come back. You know, redemption is always there. So I went through a lot and um, I found a purpose. You know, through the years, I found a purpose because when I went through a lot, um, who was there for me? God, you know, at my lowest, I reached out, you know, I, um, I read uh, motivational books. Uh, Max Licata write a lot of inspirational um, which, which, uh, and what my passion became now is, um, I do a, a podcast, a show. I want to say that I say a show, uh, weekly and, uh, it's called keeping the real Steve Michael, but, uh, we'll get back to that later, but what's it all about? And my passion with, I do, um, it's about giving hope, faith, inspiration, suicide awareness. So it brings me to a point where I, I was losing too many people I knew of all ranks, uh, to suicide. I was losing family members when I was a young little child, aunts and uncles, to suicide. Um, people, my friends, committed suicide. So I've seen it as an epidemic in, in all fields, military, over 22 military veterans every day commit suicide. Um, and then, you know, what it gets, it really gets hyped up as like a government, a celebrity or somebody who hits in a paper, like front page and everybody brings that. But I'll tell you what some everybody shares. Everybody shares uh, happiness, you know, we all have those emotions. Everybody shares sadness. So what did I do? Um, there's a group um, that's independent from my police department. It's called Papa. Uh, it's all run by uh, active and retired members of service of NYPD. It's for NYPD, and uh, we are trained, and we're trained professionals, and we're just like everybody else. We're active, or which means active. We're still we're still working, or we could be retired, and we help retired and active members of service. There's a line they call hotline. If they're feeling uh, they want to talk, they feel hopeless, helpless, withdrawn, feel like they can't go any further, need to talk to someone, maybe going through anxiety, they'll call this line and we're on call for 25 hours. Uh, it's broken up. And we call a number and we reach out to them. And we get them help. We talk to them. And I would say last year was a very trying year. We had 11 active members of the service and NYPD committed suicide. This year, knock on wood, there's none. But wow. we have retirees that commit suicide and when you say you find your purpose, I found my purpose of helping. I find I tell everybody when they retire from military, fire department, nurses, doctors, firemen hit me up, the cops, they retire and they find out what's my purpose. I lost my what's my purpose? Six months. I'm used to helping people. Now who am I helping? What's my identity? And you I, you have to find a purpose, a passion. Could be anything. Um, but your purpose, your identity is you. You know, that's that's your purpose is you. Your identity is you. That was a uniform. That was a career. And it takes a lot of, out of you. But your identity is you. There's only one you. You know, God only made one of each of us. And you are a star in, in, in his eyes. So when you talk that way, what is your purpose? So I realized my purpose was to reach out. So what did I do? I was helping with uh, with Papa, with, uh, you know, independent NYPD. But with the NYPD's blessing, they, they're all on board with everything. We helped. And um, I said, you know, we're doing a lot, but then I, it's suicide. It was, uh, one, one incident, a chief that I, was, I knew, I worked for a long time, high-ranking chief, committed suicide. And I just saw him like two months before that. And I just started doing the, my podcast before that. But there was other suicides that took a piece of me, took a piece of me. I knew him. And, and even now when you hear somebody that commits suicide, it's like the first thing is what could we have done? So I, 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 I do my podcast. I reach out. I give the phone numbers, Suicide National Hotline. I'll give it to you right now. For everybody, it's uh, 
And for NYPD, if you're working, uh, is Papa 188-267-7267. All right. Uh, and I do it. And I started and I continue. And you know, like I said, the 95 episodes already. And uh, what I realized, a lot of people will not acknowledge they watch it, but they do watch it. They, they need hope. They need help. They need inspiration. Everybody has bad days, uh, but not, we shouldn't all have a bad life. So what that means is uh, uh, life is a roller coaster. It's ups and downs, twists and turns. Um, but in the end, you enjoy the ride. Even though you get sick on that roller coaster, sometimes it gets scared. In the end, we enjoy the ride. And I try to pass it along. And we're helping a lot of people between Papa, uh, Suicide National Hotline. We put out all the numbers out there. NYPD helps a lot of people. But also, I believe my podcast, uh, I have. Uh, I want to just say hello to Johnny Williams Lawrence. He's a co-host. He helps me sometimes. He was on last night. He's a co-worker. He's battling his old Goliath. He's uh, battling cancer. So everybody out there wishes to say Johnny Williams Lawrence a prayer. And also uh, Daphina Solomon and all the police officers battling um, uh, state, uh, cancer. And then I'm going to say hello to my DJ, Brian. I got to say hello to Brian. He's my right hand. He plays the music. But uh, he's been in it from day one with me. Uh, and everybody just thinks he's about the music. No, he's, he, he, he's in there with me. He sees what I do, how I help people. At a dime, they call, they, they send me a text, I call them right away. Everybody. They send me the number, I call them. I don't mind, I don't even know you, but I'll talk to you. And that's what I want to get out. The message is uh, just just be there for people. You never Don't be the one to step on them. Just to be the one to put your hand out to help them up. Because everybody's battling the battle you might not, never know. They might smile, but inside they're broken. So, is that good? Perfect. Perfect. Yeah, and too much. after the show... On the YouTube channel, the the Sahara Rising and Battle to Be, the YouTube channel, we will post all of these phone numbers, all of these links, and I will post how you can get access to his show because you don't want to miss it. He is coming up now on his 100th episode, and anyone who knows about podcasting, that 100th episode is golden it is your like magic marker for actually being dedicated committed and having a real legitimate podcast now, so thank you but we're looking for a haul we're gonna get a, it's gonna be big hopefully you know COVID, you know we're gonna do pandemic we're gonna do a, a studio a big studio and i just want to tell you i don't want to sell myself or the show i don't i just tell you if you're feeling sad you're feeling anxious you need to smile my show is the one for the reason is it's a roller coaster. We come in, we talk um, about life, anxiety. We motivate, we inspire, and then the second half is like no other second half. You leave smiling because we talk about songs uh, you never knew the meaning. We do freestyle interactive questions, and we do virtual vacation. We travel all around without a passport with music, and we have a. It's a family. Keeping the real estate, Michael, for the people watching, it's a family uh, that a lot of people I never met in my life in person, but we're all like aunts, uncles, brothers, sisters. It's a family. They come on every week. They set their alarm. And um, sometimes uh, social media doesn't like positivity. And they want to keep us down. And they want to, you know, uh, not let you do positivity. But this world needs a little more positivity. So, And, and what you're doing, Krista, is, is amazing what you're doing. And your story you told me about what you do is amazing. And I'm, I'm blessed that we get, we're able to connect because uh, it, it is uh, you're doing a lot of God's work on your end, too. And you have a big heart also. So. So everybody, watch our podcast. You're a great human being. So that's all I can tell you. If you're a great human being, your podcast is great. Thank you so much. And thank you for being here with us tonight. 
All right. Thank you. And that's it. Coming up. I'm four, Five more episodes. A hundred. So four more and a hundred. I'll be on Monday with a special episode. It's going to be I'm bringing Johnny Williams Lawrence in. He gets every other week. He does uh, uh, chemo on Tuesday. So he's a little down. So I want to bring him in this week and pop him. And this is going to be a random talk about life, about everything. It's going to be Can't Miss at 7 o'clock on uh, Facebook page, uh, Stephen Moriello. And you also can find me on YouTube page, Keeping It Real with Stephen Michael. Go to it. Hit the subscribe button. Like it. And also, I got a Facebook page, Keeping It Real with Stephen Michael. Uh, I do a motivational quotes every day I put up there. So it's all about motivation. It's all about inspiring. Not every day is an update. Believe me. If you, not every day is a thumbs up. I, I tell everybody, thumbs up day is great. Thumbs in the middle is great, and thumbs down is no goody. Too many thumbs down is not a good day, but if you have some thumbs in the middle, it's still a great day. You know, so you know, I want to say thank you, blessed. I'll come back anytime, and I'm definitely going to bring you on my show, if you're up to it. We're going to bring you on when I do, especially when I go to StreamYard, so I can put you on the screen. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm, I'm learning. Thank you. It was a, pl it was a pleasure, and, uh, you know, for everybody out there who watches on my page, keeping it real, Steve Michael, please uh, follow Krista uh, on her podcast please um and follow on facebook she's an amazing human being she puts a lot of motivational quotes up on her own page too and uh, for some reason i don't know why we, we can't friend that i don't know but i think you, you might be saying might be on private it's not me because public i got people send me friend requests and then i oh that's the last thing i gotta say I, I have to go crazy i always go crazy don't send krista don't send me a friend request if it's bitcoin or if i if i accept a friend request and then all of a sudden you send me an inbox say did you hear about the package? The stimulus? What did you hear about federal grant? Don't don't right. scam me, please. I, I don't I'm I accept everybody because they have friends of friends, and I always accept because I'm thinking uh maybe they need help. And that's I why I'm that emotion. Yeah, so I I, I I find out that usually a lot of my friends have friends of friends and they come on and next thing you know, they're about to, you know, some send you an email about some package of money and uh, federal grant, you give you fifty thousand. You just get your fifty thousand. I'm like, oh, <laughs> goodbye, unfriend, unfriend, goodbye. Don't come back down here. I'm not, I'm not gonna block you, but you're not gonna be up. because I say that because um, what we do, you know, we try to help everybody. We don't want to be victims still. So just be careful out there. If somebody sends you a friend request and the first thing they ask you about money, don't you gotta unfriend them, get rid of them because they're probably trying to steal your identity or try to take your money from you. All right, so just be careful with that. And Bitcoin, if you want to do it, you do it. I mean, it's not up to me, but they'll send you people you know, and then next thing you know, it's all about money. And I, again, if I don't see someone face-to-face, -face, I don't want to do enough business. So. I said, how did you do a little craziness? Because I'm usually crazy on my show. I'm upbeat. I didn't have my coffee tonight. But again, I bless you for having me on the show. Uh, success. Congratulations. Episode number three, you know, is, is, is amazing. Um, and it's a passion, and you're going to look forward to doing it every week. It's part of your therapy because doing my show is therapy to me. It is helping other people, um, getting reaction. And you're going to get negativity along the way I do. And at times it used to bother me. And then I say, you know, the devil, they always put roadblocks when you're doing something right. Remember that. They always And, and the people, and I say the last thing, the people who do that, they're not bad people. I call them potholes. Just like when you drive a car, the road was really nice at one time, right? And then you get hit that pothole, you get a flat tire. Some people are really good people. Just been through a lot. They become a pothole, which means at that, that, that time, they're negative to bring you down. But again, in time, they get repaired and they become real good again. They're not bad people, but sometimes the potholes uh, will bring you down, will bring negativity in your life that you don't need. So sometimes you have to drive a different route and you come back when it's paved and you can be friendly with them again. That That's my motivation. Is that good? <laughs> drive around. 
Skyline, you know, or avoid the pothole. Otherwise, you get stuck and you miss your, your destiny in life. You're gonna end up changing a flat tire. Yep. And that's you. You, you know, your destiny. And that's the last thing I'll say for everybody. Um, a lot of people stress they don't have this, they don't have that. In this time of life, I should be this, I should be that. The anxiety leads to trauma. Trauma affects people. Ten years later, you it, it, it really comes out. They say, but what I tell everybody, we're in where we are. It might be stuck at one point. But you're in God's timeline where we're supposed to be. Because impatience, I, I have no patience. I learned to have a little. We all want to get from A to Z right away, but sometimes that's the wrong path. Sometimes you have to stay the path. It takes a little longer, but it's the right path to bring you to where you're supposed to be. And that's, you know, who you are. Right. Sometimes the long and winding road is where I like that. That's a song. The long and winding road. I, I talked about the uh, Simon and Garfunkel song last night, The Boxer. I talk about that later on my show because there's a line in it. There stands the boxer, and he and he says, "I give in, I give in." You know, he wants to quit, but then he remembers he's the boxer, and that's life. You know, it doesn't matter how many times we get knocked down; it only matters how many times we get up. We all get knocked down, and that's what I remember that song. I hear it, and it brings chills when I think about it, the lyrics because we're all the boxes. Sometimes he box the champ of the world is life. And sometimes we shadow box ourselves. And that's most dangerous because we know each other. And But you know what? As long as you dust yourself off, get back, you know, and life will move forward, uh, things will eventually re turn around. That's all I can tell you. All right? Thumbs up. We good? Have a great night. Good night. How do you, you, you sign off, right? Yeah. Okay. Good night. I'm going to share it. Congratulations, Podcast 3. Subscribe to her. Subscribe to me. Keep it real, Steve Michael, too. Please. I'll see you later. It was, it was an honor and pleasure being on your show. Thank you so much. Good night. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for being with us tonight at the Battle to Be podcast. And for those of you that don't know, the Battle to Be program is a trauma treatment program for military police, firefighters, and other first responders as well as victims of human trafficking, domestic violence, and childhood abuse. So everything that the Battle to Be program does is raising funds to cover the tuition and awareness activities that we do through our programs. So you're supporting this podcast and you're supporting Sahara Rising programs helps those who need trauma treatment have access to that. So I thank you so much for your participation tonight and for continuing to listen, like, and share our show. And if you have a story to tell and you would like to be a guest on the show, please feel free to message me on Facebook at Coach Krista Fee or at Facebook at Sahara Rising. And please follow the YouTube channel where this streams as Sahara Rising and Battle to Be. Thank you so much again. Episode three. I will talk to you later.